The dawn of civilization. Primitive. Dangerous. Exciting. The handwriting is on the wall. If the human race is ever going to amount to anything, it needs... The most civilized caveman I have ever seen. Ah, look who's come out of his cave. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in. This is James from Cave Dweller Music. I'm with my co-host Brendan and today we have M with us. Uh, M is in a number of bands in Australia. You may know her from her current project. Uh goes by the name, uh, I'm, I'm sorry if I say this wrong, but uh, Frick Telig Stoy. hope that's correct. Um, close enough. It's close enough. <laughs> Um, she's also in the band Oligarch, and uh, you may know her as a former member of the Australian black and thrash metal band Thrall. Um, so thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time, especially with the time zone difference. Um, do you maybe thank just you for wanna... having me. Oh, of course, yeah. Do, do you maybe just want to tell people <laughs> a little bit about yourself, um, what you do, and, and sort of uh, your projects? Sure. Um, so M. Stoey. Um, I am originally from Tasmania. Um, I have been playing in bands since the 90s, uh, so there's a fair few bands that I've been in. I didn't start playing metal until 2006. Um, I've had some metal influences in a couple of projects before that, but um, kind of made the the switch to focusing on primarily black metal uh, when I joined uh, as a live member of my former husband's band, Thy Plagues. Um, and then from there, I uh, sort of organically shifted onto drums in Thrall. And then when my uh, marriage dissolved, um, I stopped being in Thrall, funnily enough. And then... Uh, my my mate who's a sound engineer called Dave Byrne, who I probably have to thank on the daily for my current happiness, um, he said, hey, I've got this mate over here. His name's Mike, and he's, he's looking for a bass player um, for his band Oligarch. I'm like, oh, cool. I, I love playing bass. I've always, I want to get back on bass. So I uh, joined Oligarch, and then Mike and I uh, started making eyes at each other and went through a quick ch- checklist, like, you want kids you serious about life you want to get healthy um and uh yeah we've been together ever since um and getting healthy (laughs) yeah and so he's the between dave byrne and uh mike they're like the two main sponsors of my my solo project frictilly story um they have uh so dave has been my uh, mixing assistant and mastering engineer Um, and Mike takes the time with the kids and gives me the space to do some independent creative work Um, without him none of this would have happened awesome (laughs) that's awesome that support network is so important yeah you gotta have yeah yeah we wouldn't be able to do podcasts or wives and stuff didn't like you know, like allow us to carve out the time, you know, it's, yeah. it's tough schedule. I've got two kids too, you know, it's, it's important to have the support. So definitely got it. Yeah. But it's also important to make a, a, um, a good example for your kids of how to be an adult and not be just crushed by a responsibility. Like I think mm-hmm. showing your kids how to continue being creative and um, you know, keep doing the work on, 
becoming a better human. Uh, that's really important. And I, I've mm -hmm. been reading a book recently by Bell Hooks called All About Love, and she offers this um, this definition of love, which is about investment in the spiritual growth of another human. And I think yeah. that's yeah. If you if you truly are invested in the the growth of another human, then you make space for them, and so you have your independent pursuits as well as your things that you do together. You know, otherwise mm -hmm. you veer into codependency, and I think that's where you know you can end up in these really toxic relationships that just <laughs> right, yeah. definitely. You need to compartmentalize, uh, compartmentalize your life to some extent, where things are just yours or things are just theirs, and then, like you said, right. join things that you share, but. If you have no identity outside of your partner, then I don't think it's right. <laughs> it's not a healthy space. And that way, if something ever happens, like God forbid, between you two, you're left like an empty shell of a person that has no identity. Um, right. Which is yeah, and that's kind of that. That's a beautiful segue to bring us to the thrall story because <laughs> <laughs> you can't untangle my marriage from that band. Um, and I think that band actually took the place where my marriage should have been after a while. Um, so, you know, when, when I, uh, talk about that band, it's, uh, it's a period in time of my life where everything was all together. I had all of my eggs in one basket and, um, you know, I'm, when I've reflected on it, uh, since it's been, um, it's been really painful, um, and, I need to take responsibility for my part in what was a bad partnership. Um, you know, that it, it wasn't a, a good relationship from pretty early on. And, you know, Tom was uh, clearly not that into me. <laughs> I needed to um, sort of own up to just being bad at uh, taking a hint, really. <laughs> it's sometimes really hard to see things from the inside, though. It's like uh, it's a whole... Hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm. Um, once you're outside of something, the situation looks so much clearer. Right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I guess that's you know why I wanted to make a. I, I the reason why I love black metal so much is because it has um, scope for being able to do stuff that is emotional and personal, um, as Sorry. well as you know the sort of like you know fantasies and horror movies History. and stuff but, yeah no uh, I mean, don't get me wrong i love bolt thrower as much as the next person but uh you know <laughs> being able to um talk about things like you know depression or suicidal feelings like black metal does that so well mm -hmm. um so that's why i wanted to um continue working into that genre with the most recent work i've done with the solo album I think I think black metal is unique as a genre in that it really has like a limitless scope of, of subject matter. Um, right. I feel like mm. with like with like death metal, you're kind of confined to a certain area of things of, of what's like what people want you to cover. Same with thrash metal and stuff. But black metal is like anything from high fantasy to historical content to talking about like current political issues. Mm -hmm. um deeply personal like human suffering type stuff it, it it all falls under that same umbrella and maybe just comes under a different subsect of black metal but there's, su there's such a wide range that there's room for everything and everyone right yeah said it better myself 
<laughs> I mean, there's there's upsides and downsides to that. The upside is that you have people like um, a lot of mo- like modern movements, like uh, decolonial uh, type black metal, uh, indigenous black metal, like anti-fascist black metal, that type of stuff is, yeah. is all really strong there. But then you have the opposite side of the spectrum, which gives voice to to the the, the bad side of black metal, um, the hate groups yeah. and that sort of thing, because right. it is such a, a, a wide ranging genre that it allows space for those groups as well. Essentially, there's like nothing yeah, off topic, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a an academic called Keith Khan Harris who talks about um, extreme metal having this uh, reflexive anti-reflexivity where mm. part of the enjoyment of uh, metal is the transgressive nature of the subject matter that it gets into. But Definitely. also we can't – we don't talk about that as um, enthusiasts for mm. metal. Like it's like we – it's kind of verboten that – we're, we're enjoying something that's forbidden, but we're also not talking about it. It's a, it's a really strange thing. And that's what makes room, I think, for, uh, you know, uh, racist yeah. uh, messaging and for really, you know, stuff that's like outside the realms of acceptable society. Right. Um, I, I actually had a discussion with someone on this as recently, and they raised a really good point that I hadn't thought of that um, a lot of, like exactly what you just said. It's a lot of it's like uh, trying to be outside of the norm and doing what's unacceptable. And society since like the eighties has progressed in Edgy. such. Well, yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Society has progressed so much since the eighties. What's become acceptable and tolerated has shifted a lot. So the goalposts of, of what you have to do to be sort of con- like contrarian and anti-cultural uh, <laughs> yeah. has changed. So like talking about things like anti-Christianity and burning churches, no one cares anymore um no and, and the last like sort of area that people care about is bigotry so a lot some of those people are drawn to that space because they want to create music that offends shocks and, and challenges the norm mm. and the only area they can really do that still is with uh hatred and and, and yeah you know, it's, it's and scale. <laughs> exactly yeah. and no. i mean I, I never thought of that perspective until i had that conversation and i was like wow yeah, that's actually a good point it doesn't make it justifiable in any way, but it adds another level of complexity to the whole discussion. Right. Yeah. yeah. And and then you've got that whole like thing it, of when you... Oh, sorry, Brenda. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. I was going to say just like anything with like, you know, genres and whatnot or good and evil, you have the people on the other side that are doing, you know, essentially the same thing. So it's really just about you know, you got to pick and choose, you know, you got to uh, mm-hmm. pick and choose. I was going to say, uh, do your research too, you know, like, cause a band might sound so amazing, but then all of a sudden you're like, yeah. Google them and they're, they're rec- like, you know, oh, oh God, it goes exactly to what I was going to say. Cause um, mm-hmm. I, I have some, you know, really strong, positive uh, memories that are attached to listening to, but some, and you know you when you've got this art and you want to separate it from the artist like this in throughout Burton's music it's got um you know he doesn't necessarily come out and out and, and put hate messaging in the music it's very mm-hmm. you know subtle undercurrent um through interpretation maybe um but you know, when you know who the person is and you 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 hear their their views, you go, well, this guy is clearly like 
um, on that side of history. Yeah. Right. Um, can, <laughs> you can't separate the art from the artist uh, once you know about it. So there's yeah. there's part of me that just doesn't want to know. <laughs> I just want to be able to listen to music in peace. Yeah, right. It's it's a it's a thing. It's like yeah. it's the worst feeling ever when you're just like, man, I love this band because you just heard them for the first time. You look them up and it's like, ah, I can't listen oh, to this now. <laughs> right. It's, it's such a that gut sucks. punch, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. oh, I only, can't support this person. <laughs> right. The only other thing worse is when you look up a band and they disbanded like. 10 years ago. Well, the singer died or something. It's like, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're just like, ah, all right. Well, well when, you, when you're looking them up and going, I'm, I really need to find what other releases they've got. Oh, they, they broke up after one release. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Ah. Oh, I hope they told soon. I'd love to see them live. Oh, they're dead. <laughs> yep. <laughs> now, Weakling. Damn you, Weakling. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I, I'd love to know the, the meaning and, and the story behind the solo project name. What is the meaning behind the name <laughs> i have a friend uh who is the least norwegian looking guy who is from norway um who i met in universities like uh got you know african heritage and big dreadlocks and he would wear a norwegian like tourism cap like it said norge across the top of this baseball cap i was like what's with the hat he's like i'm from norway i'm like okay cool um <laughs> and uh i was you're toying around with the idea of giving myself a stage name um, and uh, very much at that time into uh, second wave black metal. So I, I reached out to this friend and said, like, give me a name, name me. Um, <laughs> and so he gave me uh, two or three things that he suggested. So one of them was like evil witch, but that didn't sound cool in Norwegian. Mm -hmm. It sounded um like, witch is like Og. I'm like, oh, come on. No, no, I'm not going to be M Og. <laughs> uh, uh. Um, but one of them was strictly stoi, uh, just meaning horrible noise. And I I do have a background in kind of arty, noisy kind of stuff. So I was like, well, maybe I can you know, use it for my solo project name as well. And I'll go back to doing some sort of arty, noisy stuff. And I have like unreleased albums of arty, noisy stuff that I had intended to do under the Frictally Stoi banner. But um, yeah, when it came time to uh, this this whole incremental process of putting together the solo album, it started out with me just uh, going, I wonder if I could record a song by myself. And I recorded like the first two songs of the album. I'm like, oh, cool. Oh, oh no. Oh, no, I know. I have to record a whole album because <laughs> those songs are really good and I need I need something to go around. <laughs> what was your first um, and so it just song? Sort of, the first song was the last song on the album, which was Mag oh. Magdalene. Uh, yeah, a little piano piece. I was just, um, I didn't, I, I had a newborn baby at the time and I, I needed to be able to do something that I could record silently. So I was just sort of fooling around with uh, some MIDI piano and, you know, some effects. I was like, oh, yeah, this, this sounds all right. I'll have to utter some cursy words over the top. <laughs> um, and then I recorded. Um, the Queen of the Wasteland, so Bechuma. Um, and I uh, was like, oh, okay, now now the cat's out of the bag. I'm going to record a whole album now. Oh, what have I done? Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so just over a series of weekends, just sort of carving out like two hours in the afternoon while the kids were asleep, just crank out a few riffs and then run back out when the kids wake up. Um, 
And uh, slowly but surely, it just sort of grew and grew. I kept reaching out to people to collaborate with me. Um, it was all through these lockdowns and stuff, and so people weren't weren't uh, um, willing to come over and work with me. And um, it just ended up being a lot more of a solo, solo project than I was expecting. Right. Um, and then by the end of it all, it was like the only thing that happened was Dave Byrne came over and went, you need to turn that down. There you go. <laughs> you should turn that up. <laughs> Are there plans but, uh, to do a second mastering, album that has more by the way, Mastering. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to oh, sorry. That. I was just—I was right. just saying. Um, is, are there plans to do a, a second, uh, I guess, album with more collaborative collaboration with friends now that lockdown's over? No. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to do a second album, but I'm going to—I'm going to keep it even. I think I'm going to be even more solo. Um, nice. Okay. Exciting. Uh, yeah. Well, Dave taught me um, uh, as as we were sitting next to each other doing some mixing. Like I just learned what he does and. Um, it became my knowledge now, so so I don't need him anymore. But apart from black, <laughs> m- mastering, which is like black magic, I do not understand how to do mastering. Mastering is something that you need a mastering engineer for. Apparently, they right. you know teach you something involves chicken bones, maybe some tarot cards. I don't know. I don't know what they do, but it's it's magic. <laughs> Well, I, I meant to mention to you, um, I know you gave me access to the album basically to pick which song we wanted for our charity sampler. Um, and because I got to pick, uh, I went with my favorite track on the album, Truth. So Truth will be on our Mind Never Metal charity sampler in May. Which one's that one? That is our uh, mental health one. So it's uh, basically, it's going to be two volumes, um, all proceeds going to Mental Health Europe and uh NAMI, which is a, a American uh, mental health organization. Sweet. Yeah. No, yeah. Happy to be part of it. Happy to be part of it. And also um, big fan of being mentally healthy. Yep. I think it makes yeah. a big difference in life. <laughs> it, does. it really does. <laughs> it sure does. Yeah. No. Um, like one of the things that I uh, really struggled with was recognizing depression mm-hmm. and you know, all of those years that I was in thrall, um, like I, I wasn't able to enjoy listening to music or reading books or um, or making my own music, really. Um, I was just, I didn't realise it, but that's like a head and ear, which is, you know, the inability to enjoy things is a, a hallmark of depression. But at the time I was like, I ain't sad, so I'm not depressed. I'm not depressed. I'm happy. Look at me. I'm drinking my life away. I'm great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um definitely it's yes. yeah it's it is tough to actually like pick up on depression when you're actually deep in it um yeah and, and it takes so many different forms as well so like like you said that there's depression right. that like gen- like outward sadness that's the more obvious type and then there's depression which is just the inability to actually take joy in the things that you do in life which is yeah that's a that's a big yeah. one a lot of people kind of live with it without realizing for a long time right they just you know or it's yeah. like being happy with a job and just going and going and going and going. And then, you know, finally, like whatever happens, happens, right. You like, whether you built up, you, you quit or, you know, um, you're laid off or something like that. And <clears throat> I worked in industry where I thought I was so happy and mm. I was literally probably like 50 pounds heavier and just constantly tired and but i was happy right you know i was doing my thing and <laughs> it, it took um 
COVID shakeup to make me realize that like how actually, you know, I was actually depressed, you know, I was like, wow. Yeah. It's wild. wild to think about. Like mm-hmm. it takes a second to step back and look at yourself. And if you don't do it, you just get swallowed up. Yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is as a creative person, like you feel like your creativity is kind of like um, bound up with your sadness. Um, getting mentally healthy is actually really terrifying because you feel like you're losing something. I'm going right. to lose my art. Um, and that I think that was part of what I, the process I was doing through recording the solo album was actually proving to myself that I still could be creative but not be this self-destructive, narcissistic person anymore. I could actually um, draw on my experiences from, you know, a pretty scary and traumatic upbringing in a very conformist and nasty place, which was Tasmania in the 1980s and 1990s. Um, And, you know, the disappointments from my uh, romantic entanglements, um, I can draw on that and not be in it. I can um, be creative and use that as an inspiration, but not be you know, suffocated by it. Um, and that was uh, a real revelation for me that I could be healthy and still be creative. Hell yeah. Yeah. And that definitely shows in the, in the lyrics. <laughs> yeah. Sing it to me. Yeah. Hallelujah. <laughs> <laughs> getting, getting to that point is tough, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just saying that it really shows in your lyrics as well. Like the, the fact that you're able to draw on that, but it's like you're looking back on it. I was talking to a researcher recently who's doing some work on metal and feminism. Um, yeah. And we were sort of saying that, uh, you know, domestic violence and coercive control and those kinds of things are some of the most terrifying subject matter um, that is available to draw on for, uh, you know, lyrics like this is this is uncharted territory for metal. We can go in there and blaze a trail. And so that was also part of what I wanted to do with Frictally Story is talk about family violence and talk about, you know, abuse survivorship because it's um I think it's really rich. There's lots of um uh the historical uh, uh muses that I use throughout the album are there to sort of give a framework for this contemporary theme of of abuse and violence in intimate situations. Right. And it's just, it. there's room for talking about uh, self-actualization, like I was thinking about Nietzsche while I was writing all that stuff, and how you overcome those things is by, you know, drawing on this real inner strength that yeah. you, you know, have to mine out somehow after you've been mentally crippled for such a long time. Um, so the first side of the album, if it ever gets pressed, if anyone ever picks it up, please somebody pick it up, um, is the victim side of the album. And then the second side of the album is the survivor side of the album where you're yeah. like, yep, I have, I have overthrown. I've claimed my power. Um, and now I'm Boudicca and I'm sacking London. Yeah. <laughs> it's just a shame how that story ended, <laughs> unfortunately. 
there's an album called This Shame Should Not Be Mine by a band called Gold with three G's and three D's. Uh, I, I want to say they're from the Netherlands. Um, and they, they it's a concept album fully about uh, surviving abuse and the shame that survivors feel and the guilt that they feel um, and how they should be turned around onto the perpetrators. So I think it's it's, it's super relevant to what you were discussing yeah. about about those lyrics in your in your songs. No, it's yeah. um, uh, entirely relevant, and I haven't heard it. And uh, yeah, please send me uh, the info so I don't have to write it down. Will do. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to ask specifically because I mean I chose the song uh, that I did for the sampler for not just because I like the song, but the lyrics really stood out to me for hope. What was the inspiration mm. for hope? Um, so hope is the only one that doesn't have a a real um mythological or um uh historical muse it's it's very much my own story um it's uh it's about that that state that you can find yourself in in a situation where um it's it's a bit hopeless that you keep holding on to the idea of um, of things getting better. So, you know, during my marriage, I was always thinking about how, um, you know, oh, this is, he's just gone through some stuff, you know, oh, things will get better. Um, and when you're in a, an abuse survivor, you misread things. You, 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 um, if you've ever uh, read uh, the book, uh, the, the Body Keeps Score, um, it's by Vessel Bandercock, and he talk, talks about, um, uh, how abuse survivors mix up signals in their bodies. So they, they mistake um, rage for passion. They mistake, um, you know, one sensation in the body for another. And that that leads them to go back to these familiar sensations of abuse. You end up being, you know, uh, abused in childhood and then you end up in all of these abusive relationships in, in your adulthood because um, you – are just that's used to that. That's that's what you know. You know that's and and people go to safety. And I, I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm I'm not a a a person who's uh, going to prosecute any abuse. Like I I'm not saying that my ex is an abuser, but what I am saying is that we've had a very unhealthy relationship, and um, I got stuck in it. I kept hoping that it would get better, and it just it kept getting worse. And things don't get better if somebody's comfortable with the status quo. Um, and I, I don't think that, that Tom was particularly comfortable with where our relationship had ended up. I think that we were both really drained and tired and we we wanted to, you know, see through a commitment to each other, but mostly through music. We only really wanted to be involved with each other through music um, in the end. Uh, and the band actually outlived our marriage by a good six months, oh. which that's... <laughs> that we finished the entropy uh ep which i'm i mean i'm tremendously proud of uh Great i think that's yeah that 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 ep is just so um uh that, vicious yeah for that sure. was actually how um i i'm really big into eps um <laughs> and um that's how i found thrall to begin with because um james was like hey like we're gonna talk about thrall and i'm like wait that sounds familiar and then I was looking through and I was just like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the one that I had uh, I had in my my wish list and saved up 
because I was like, I, I really like that, you know? Yeah. No, it's a it's a, a great piece of music, that one. And um, uh, <laughs> uh, we'd just come off the back of the um, the whole concept album that we'd done around Aoki Gahara. And um, that whole recording process and touring Japan and bringing together like a pretty tight concept album, um, we, we wanted to do something that was uh, a bit more frivolous afterwards. <laughs> so that's, right. that's a thrall doing frivolity. <laughs> <laughs> I actually um, found you guys back in 2011. I actually bought Vermin to the Earth on CD when it first came out. Um, oh, yeah. So the artwork on it. that is beautiful. It is, and honestly, like I still love that album. It, uh, yeah, me too. I know it's got like <laughs> it's got like such a good blend of like black and roll, um, but not in like the traditional like you know not in the traditional kind of sense. I, it, it sometimes seems to be like a, a side of black and roll that's a little bit, I guess, goofy <laughs> or, or, <laughs> or nah, or less, man, or less serious. Um, which I like <laughs> about I like about black and roll. I like that aspect of it. That it's kind of like less serious black metal, sometimes just fun. Um, but you guys did the fun side of it, but kept it serious at the same time, which I thought was cool. I think yeah. I could do like a whole, like three podcasts on why Fuck the Universe by Kraft is the best black and roll album ever. Um, Great album. And the, it's all about the the drums. like, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that drummer just sort of sits right on the back of the beat and just gives everything this super kind of, lurching rolling kind of feel it's it's um and as a drummer i'm i'm not actually a drummer i'm a bass player who can play drums well enough okay um and so it was always kind of amusing to me that i became known primarily for being a drummer in thrall because uh i i was always asking can i please go back to playing bass can we get a (laughs) drummer to actually play the drums like i i'm i i don't think that's I, I can play well enough, but I don't think that that's um, a, 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 an instrument that I'm super strong on. But um, but I have got feel. I've got that same kind of lurchy on the back of the beat feel that the craft drummer has. And right. that's really nicely encapsulated on Vermin to the Earth. But I feel a bit like that album is like me building the plane while I'm flying it because I'd never played – uh, drums in a metal band before and I'd never mm-hmm. played double kick so I was sort of really struggling to get the instrument happening um, and we did all of the drum takes in Osaka um, with a t- sort of scratch track guitar and then Tom redid all of the the guitars that you hear on the album in the studio with Trent back in Tasmania and there's one song that they totally fucked um, where they didn't play in time to the scratch track. And okay. so the guitar is playing like a good, you know, half a beat ahead of all of the the drum track. Um, and it it makes the the song feel really not good. And I, I, I'm really sad that that's how that song has been um, has been captured for uh, you know, for prosperity, because um, it's it's ruined. It's ruined. <laughs> which um, which track is it? Ecstasy, not of the flesh. Um, is that like? I'm trying to think which one that is on the album. It's track um, number five, I believe. Five. And okay. 
and it's got these long pauses between uh, the drums where the guitar starts playing too fast for the pause. It's yeah, it's it's really sad. I wish I wish uh, they hadn't done that. But tracks, I didn't know at the time that I six. Track six, there you go. Um, I didn't know at the time that I'm actually really good at playing to click. I should have just played to a click. But um, I'd never played to a click before because I wasn't a drummer. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, I know this dude is super controversial because he scammed a bunch of his fans and stuff. But um, are you a fan of all of, like, uh, Noctmistium? Eh. <laughs> I, don't know, I, always, I always appreciated, like... I don't know the the level of like I guess psyche groove that he had in his rhythms. Yeah, no, but I can dig it. I, it's just he he ruined everything by being a total dick. Being stabby. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. But I mean, that's that goes to our earlier point. There's um, there's a few dicks out there oh, that yeah. are really creative. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's like so, it's so, the one thing with that is like sometimes it, I find it hilarious when people are shocked that certain musicians are bad people. Like you look at like the the lyrical content and like their aesthetic and stuff, and they're like it really shocks you that this person is a bad person. Right. <laughs> it's, a, it's like it, it kind of like was a given when you if you listen to their music that they're a bad person. <laughs> Sometimes, yeah. if it's all violent and wild, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah it's like, you also have the the opposite happen where you like right. you know meet people who are right you know writing all of this really mean. Sound and music, and then you meet them. They're total pussycats, and they're exactly. really nice, and have yeah. have very nice manners, and open you know hold open doors for you and stuff. Right. It sometimes <laughs> depends on like the way that the reason that they're writing it and where they're coming from. Like if you look at like Corpse Grinder from Cannibal Corpse, it's very clearly just an artistic expression for fun. Like it's like the same way that a director yeah. makes a horror movie. But then you look at someone like the dude from Daughters, um, who <laughs> has turned out to be an absolute monster. Um, yeah. And. Uh, you look at the lyrics and like okay maybe this was like some red flags and some of the stuff that he was saying in some of these songs <laughs> yeah no and and i do really want to be clear that like uh those people who know my ex are really um fond of him he's a nice person to be involved with as a like a, a friend um just don't yeah. marry him i think is the don't, don't marry him and be in a in a band with him. I think that's 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 the the message. Like even being married to him is probably not that bad if you're not in a band with him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's life. And then I, of course, have gone on to um, repeat exactly the same uh, process again by getting involved with the guitarist in my current band, Oligarch. <laughs> Well, hopefully it's a different scenario this time. <laughs> I was uh, I was joking with my friend who's a lesbian the other day that um, uh, my sexuality is uh, not gay or straight. I just I date band guys, and it's kind of similar to being a lesbian because your mum might not get it, and they keep thinking that you're going to grow out of it and start being attracted to accountants, and you know, like it doesn't it doesn't happen. I'm sorry. I, I'm not going to grow out of this. <laughs> this is my this is who I am. I do I do guitarists. That's who I am. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brenda, I noticed we have about 15 minutes left on the clock. Do you have some of those questions you have prepared earlier you want to go through quickly? Oh, yeah. Uh, so um, what was your first instrument that you learned how to play? Wow. Uh, clarinet. <laughs> the clarinet. <laughs> Me too. And, well, yeah. <laughs> school band. <laughs> yeah. Segway, uh, you know, like, so... With the clarinet, like, did you, um, obviously you don't play a lot of wind instruments now. What um, made you 
to, to strings and drums. Oh, right. Well, so my dad was a guitarist and there were always guitars hanging around at his house. And well, he was, he was a, a hugely influential um, person in my life. He died when I was uh, 21 and um, he, uh, he would have me over to his house for access visits and I'd be like on a, you know, like a crappy mattress on the floor in this room that was just full of records and piles of rock magazines and guitars just hanging around on the floor. And he was also an alcoholic. Uh, you know, I loved him to pieces, but like you, you look at them and, you know, your, your parents with hindsight. And again, you sort of see the, that they were more complicated than just the, the parental figure that you, um, that you knew growing up. But, um, yeah, so I just amused myself while he was getting over his hangovers. I'd you know sit there reading all of these music magazines, you know Rolling Stone and Q and Cream, and um, just filling my brain with all of this you know music, rock music stuff, and um, and twiddling with guitars, playing around with them until uh, when I was about sort of ten, eleven. He went, look, you, you should probably have a guitar, and he bought me one, and um, from there. Uh, I learned to play bass in the school band again. Thanks, school band. Doing me a solid. Um, and, uh, yeah, just had a friend uh, who I played. One of my first bands was called Venereal. It mm-hmm. was as bad as it sounds. Um, <laughs> it was like a, um, you know, girl, girl punk band. And my friend Nikki played drums in it. Um, and she decided that she wanted to sing a song. Um, and not play drums. And so she just sort of pushed me onto the drum kit and said, like, all right, uh, do this, do this, hold your sticks like this, um, sit like this, put your foot here, put your hand there. Now, uh, then she taught me a bikini kill beat and she was like, right, you can play drums now. Good, you're done. <laughs> um, and that's how I ended up being a multi-instrumentalist was just uh, – <laughs> Um, whenever I had opportunity to twiddle around with an instrument, I always took that opportunity and um, self-taught myself. Uh, yeah. Nice. Well, here I we are. If you had <laughs> lessons in any of it. No, I only had like maybe two lessons on bass. <laughs> That's it. Nice. Well, yeah. obviously you had a good teacher. It worked out well. Oh, but yeah, an autodidact. That's a good teacher. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I was going to ask, uh, hmm. like, have you played a lot of live shows? Uh, yeah, I mean, in previous bands, I've played yeah. heaps. <laughs> nice. I played, was, played um, my first there... live show in, two, no, in 1996, if that gives you any idea. Nice, nice. What was, um, out of all those, um, what's, what was your favorite venue? Uh, <laughs> that's hard, man. Um, <laughs> like, <three. laughs> like the there have been some venues where I've become really good friends with the uh with the owners or with the promoter, where mm-hmm. I've put on numerous shows. So the Bendigo Hotel in uh in Melbourne, um, I uh, put on numerous shows there. I was basically doing a show a month for a while there with Thrall. So nice. um, that was kind of my home away from home and where I put uh, put away a lot of the alcohol that I drank. Um, and prior to that, down in Hobart, there was a, ba- a venue called the the Bavtav and I was 
that's where I sort of cut my teeth with learning how to put together shows and, um, you know, all of that sort of DIY scene. So um, then I also played a, a bunch of shows in Japan and that's a really um, different, uh, like, different live scene altogether. You have to have a band that is well-known enough um, agree to put you on their bill um, and you, you have to pay to play. So if you don't, oh. if you don't make enough money off the door, then the the headlining band and the supports end up being out of pocket. So oh. um, we played like some excellent venues there. Anti Knock in um, Shinjuku kind of stands out in my mind as being a very cool uh, venue. But um, yeah, if you don't have a, a band that's willing to basically be your sponsor. Um, then you're locked out of that scene. It's um, it's a, a, an intensely um, uh, hierarchical society, and it's and it's not just in mainstream society. It's it that hierarchy and senpai kohai, like boss worker relationship, is replicated in the extreme music scenes over there as well. It's um, it's really bizarre. Um, and I guess that's why, like, misfits in Japanese culture are such a huge um, standout. Like, they yeah. they make waves. Yeah. Hmm. Did you, um, with the time in Japan, did you meet a, a guy that goes by um, the name Tom Skuld? Yeah. I yeah. know Tom. Awesome. He's lovely. He's yeah. a lovely person. Yeah, I, uh, I really like that project of his um, amputee. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think my uh, ex is involved with that though. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, Tom. Tom's uh, like a really amazing graphic artist as well, mm-hmm. um, and uh, he uh, helped us do the Thrall Alkigahara um, tour. Um, okay. His old band, Dark Corpse, uh, they um, put together all of the shows in Yokohama and. Um, and Tokyo for us. Okay. Uh, because we'd lived in Osaka, we were able to do sort of um, the Western Japan side off our own bat um, because we had pretty good networks through Western Japan. But we, yeah, without uh, Tom and, oh, his mate's name has completely gone from my brain for a moment. Matt, Matt, uh, his brain, 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 brain. Anyway, <laughs> Matt and Tom, they were in uh, Dark Corpse. They sorted out uh, Eastern Japan for us. Love those guys to bits. Nice. Um, yeah. There, Catch up with them another, every time I go over. He's in another really cool band called um, Swazond. Yep. Those guys, yep. that's a very cool band. Um, they were actually on our last charity sampler, I believe, last year. Yeah. It, um, <clears throat> the singer of Swazond is my high school friend. Jared. Right? Jared. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. I just realized that that just clicked it's for me. Small world. It's a small world. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like two degrees of separation. Yeah. yeah, it's wild, right? So I went to high school with Jared in New Hampshire, America, right? And then um, he went out to Japan and he joined the army and then um, he stayed after and then he's been out there ever since. And uh, yeah, he's the singer of that band. That's yep. awesome. Hell yeah. Um, Brandon, we're just coming up on time. Do you have any other questions there? Not too- no, we inadvertently like, I got 
answered questions I had written down just by talking. So we're good. Cool. I have <laughs> um, two more for you then, Em. Uh, one okay. is a bit of an ambush question and the other one's super simple. Um, the ambush one is if you are trapped on a desert island with a solar powered discman and three CDs, uh, <sighs> what would they be? Oh, oh my goodness. That that would be a torturous. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's a tough one. That's it's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and it would also really depend on the 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 mood at the time. But, That's a tough thing. Uh, I know. One of them would have to be "Fuck the Universe" by Kraft. Okay. Um, that uh, maybe maybe two other Kraft albums, depending on that, the mood at the time. The other album that I probably listen to on repeat the most is. Um, Dead as Dreams by Weakling. Nice, um, good. And album. I, I met through uh, through a mutual friend. I I met John from Weakling at wow. MDF in two thousand, I think two thousand fifteen, and I got so tongue tied, I could not say a word. I was just like, we we got the same at mdf we met a couple of like uh people backstage um from the bands and we were like just so awkward yeah. <laughs> like, I, I, i've listened to your album many times i love you <laughs> <laughs> can i can i be your friend <laughs> exactly i feel like i know you but this is the first time we've met <laughs> you are better than me i know this <laughs> <laughs> and i don't know what the third album would be uh yeah I think today I would probably put a ministry album in there because I've been listening to lots of ministry while I ride my bike. What uh, what era of ministry are you preferring? Yeah. Oh, mind is a terrible thing to taste. Great choice. Yeah. Mm. Love that album. They uh they are such a diverse catalogue, honestly. Like there's a little bit of everything really depending on what you want to listen to. You go from like like uh, full on like gothic dark wave stuff, like it, right through to like industri- full on industrial. I mean, there's some thrashy stuff in there. It's, and, it's like all over. And they shit on everybody. They don't care. <laughs> well, Al, Al Jorgensen is like a different breed. Oh. <laughs> it's like a special kind of person. Yeah. But I, I've heard a lot of stories about him, and uh, he he is one of those people that lives his brand. Like he's not one of those dudes that goes on stage. And, <laughs> This is my persona. I'm weird on stage, and then outside of that, I'm just a normal dude. He's just everywhere he goes at all times. He's Al Jorgensen. I, I read his autobiography. Um, that was uh, <laughs> yes, it would suggest that what you're uh, you're saying is entirely true. <laughs> yeah, it's like he's one of those dudes that's like uh, people are drawn to him because he's just he just is him. <laughs> it's that's awesome. Yeah, um, no, he's, he's he's off the the end of the chart somewhere. Yeah, it's like um. <laughs> It's like Fenris from from Dark Throne. He's just like completely. He's really just, cute. I love. I, I love it. He's just him. Like he he doesn't do like the whole. I'm a tough black metal dude. He's like I am just me. Cute. I work. I work at a post office. I just make like killer black metal that everyone loves. I don't play live because I don't like it. And he just does his thing and makes whatever he wants to make. <laughs> I love it. That's <laughs> awesome. Uh, not to, to just one really quick anecdote about him before we like wrap up the last question. Um, have you heard about the him running for like local council? And yes, trying to trying and, to lose and winning, and then winning. Yes, I yeah. did hear about that, <laughs> and it um it it continues to amuse me to this day. Yeah, it's um, amazing. My one of my uh, many nicknames is Femris. Okay, <laughs> that was a, a friend of mine gave me that uh, moniker because I was playing drums and 
he's like, yeah, you're like F- Fenris, only your Emrys, only you're like feminine, <laughs> so you're Fenris. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I just like what I like about him is that he makes music that he feels like making at the time. He doesn't care what anyone like thinks about how it turns out. Like he did that that album that was such Celtic Frost worship, and people are like, oh, this is a Celtic Frost worship album. He's like, yeah, Celtic Frost rule. What's yeah. the problem? no i'm i'm all on board with that um i I love love the way that the they've they've had such uh um like they've used the dark throne name throughout but they've had such like periods of of like starting out with that you know really death metal-y sort of sounding album and then doing the you know the super trancey kind of black cold black metal and then Mm And then going off the and becoming stuff. a punk band. Yeah. yeah. I F- love that. FOAD, circling the wagons. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I, um, I have to wrap up now. So I'll ask this last question. Uh, mm. If people want to listen to your music, buy your music, or follow you, uh, where are the best places to do that? You may stalk me on social media on Instagram. I do not use any other forms of social media because I can't be bothered. And I think Facebook is the devil. Um, <laughs> There is a band camp for Oligarch, um, which is the other band that I am in. It's uh, please don't buy anything. I don't want to go to the post office. Um, <laughs> and but we're uh, we're in the process of revitalizing that pro um, that project, and okay. I really hope that within the next couple of years that we will be um, resurrecting a live. Uh, oligarch and um awesome. and then there's frictally story which is on uh band camp also um and uh yeah you can buy it digitally and uh, at some point i hope that someone will collaborate with me and uh we will make a, a a beautiful object for people to own but uh until that happens uh it is digital download only or streaming awesome. well Thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and taking your time. And honestly, like for the opening up so much, it was a very uh, real Absolutely. conversation. And we appreciate that. That wasn't just surface level chatter. Um, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I could have I could have done the whole like I, I joined a band and we rehearsed and then then we played some shows and then I uh, then we uh, we released an album and then we played some more shows and then we released another album. We could, could, could do that kind of storytelling. I mean, but yeah. <laughs> well, when you do the next uh, solo album, I'd love to have you back on to talk about that one because I'm sure it's going to have some uh, very real themes on it as well. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. And uh, for everyone listening at home, thank you so much for tuning in and come back next week for another guest. Bye.